This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Boys and girls, this is the Wolves fancast coming at you, uh, part of the 90 Minute Network. Uh, come in, settle down, grab a drink, as we have a lot to discuss on today's episode, believe you me. Uh, Adam here, discussing matters such as why John Moss is useless and why Andre Mariner has questionable integrity. Uh, joining me to discuss such matters are Stu, Gully and Kim. Uh, how are you all? Have you collected your thoughts? From Saturday, have you calmed down or have you got your Andre Mariner voodoo dolls on order? How are you feeling? I'm chilled. I've got over it now. I think, yeah, if we'd have done this podcast within an hour of the final whistle, it could have been very different. Very different. It would have been X-rated. Possibly. For sure. (laughs) Well, we've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot to talk about. So... We'll jump straight into it. Um, we'll start as ever. Before we get to the two major incidents that are probably going to take up a lot of our time on the podcast, we'll do what we normally do. We'll jump into have a look at the lineups. A uh, bit of a change, actually, for this game. So, uh, for our viewers on YouTube Live, you can see the lineup there on screen. Bruno, Bruno opted to go with the five man midfield for this game. So, Quang was dropped. Do we think that was the right approach? So, Gully, do you want to kick us off? Did you did you agree with Bruno's thinking when it comes to this game? Yeah, I was, I was pretty comfortable with that, to be fair. I, I, I felt that Huang, to be honest, uh, has been a bit off the boil recently anyway um, and hasn't really contributed a fat lot, uh, whether it be the Norwich game, the the Liverpool fixture um, and anything in between. So um, he's worth bringing him out of the fire and on a little bit. And if you're being honest, um, those three in midfield need to kind of stretch a little bit wider and play a little bit wider than they normally would um, against uh, Man City just because of how they dominate possession. And really, the the Raul and the Dharma pairing up front is, is what's worked for us in the past. And I didn't see why it wouldn't work again, to be fair. Yeah, it was, and Troy Ray's kind of weird obsession with Man City as well. And I know I've got a couple of fans of, of Man City as friends. And I mean, Gaz has mentioned on Twitter a few times about how Troy Ray's value always goes up the day after he plays against them lot, just because he turns up and actually does things. So having him run right up front made perfect sense for me. And I suppose the only other point to make on the lineup is just that the bench was a lot stronger, I felt. So prior to kick off, I thought, well, at least, you know, you've only got sort of one one goalkeeper and uh, one sort of youth team player, if you like. At least we sort of had sort of the more senior players back on the bench, um, albeit with not many of them really likely to make an impact, but I think I thought that was sort of a positive, I suppose you could say, at the start of the game. To be honest, Kim, I, I'm, I'm surprised anybody's complaining about a squad depth looking at that bench, honestly, or what are you worried about? 
<laughs> I actually, I'll put that in my notes as well, to be honest. So when progress, at least there weren't two goalkeepers on the bench. <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, that, that literally, that, our central midfield was literally all of our three senior midfielders. That's all we got. I was thinking just... when Neves went down, I was thinking, so if Neves has to go off, who on earth is going to sort of play in centre midfield? Kundal, imagine. Well, then Luke Kundal's going to get his mouth to shine. I'd, I'd have loved that to see him just get chucked in there. That'd have been just fun to watch, wouldn't it? Baptism of fire. He would have been up against, have been up against what? Kundal Yeah. Were you worried about it? Could have had a Conor Ronan situation again. He, he run the show. Who knows? Conor Ronan was brilliant that day. To be fair, he was. Yeah. Look who asked for his shirt in the tunnel. So bring Just bring him back. Shirt. Bring him back. Well, that's a lot of out of the way. So let's give the people what we want, what they want. We'll jump into the first of the two big incidents, which is Raúl, of course. Raúl being uh, stupid. Um, you know what was what was going through his head. I mean, first of all, of the foul, would you say that was a foul? Was it a foul? Yeah, it was a foul. And for me, I mean, I, I said it wasn't for the the tackle because he got the ball. It wasn't for that. It was for the attempted pull, wasn't it? So nine times out of ten, if you try and pull someone back, if you pull a shirt, you're going to get booked. But it was so half-assed, and it was kind of he tapped him on the shoulder. Nothing happened, and then he lunged in. So, what is that? An accumulation? Is it because he attempted the tackle? Is that a booking? It was bollocks. It was bollocks. It was. It wasn't a yellow card. It never. Happened. I th- I think if you have a look at some of the tackles that were given yellows earlier in the game, you couldn't really argue with it. If you see what I mean, if the ref hadn't given yellows to, I think it was Rodri and Ruben Diaz on Toyore, maybe. Um, once he's given them, he's in in no position to not oblige with the yellow card. If you see what I mean, there's no way that's a yellow card. There's absolutely no way. Yeah, okay, it's from behind, but I didn't see a pull. I just saw Raul get the ball. It was from behind, so okay, yeah, maybe it's a free kick, but it's not a yellow card, is it? Well, especially when Bruno made the. Um... The observation that literally the whole of all the rest of Wolves' team was all in front yeah. of the players. So how is booking for that? And like, like she just said, then or like motioned, it was like a tiny bit of arm, hand on the top of his shoulder, but it wasn't a pull. That was it really. Yeah, I think that that's the point, isn't it? That normally that's like a breakaway where a team is on the attack and they're about to get at the defence. Usually, Adama Traore is normally the the perpetrator of, of that kind of situation, and teams just foul him and then. We're, we're we're run out of steam and whatnot. Um, but it wasn't. It's not like it was a tactical foul. I think Ralph thought it was a genuine attempt to go and win the ball. So it was. It did feel harsh. But like I said, I think there'd been tackles similar, and you got to follow the precedent almost that you set. But so, then what followed was absolutely. I was I was even more angry than what than the ref actually giving the foul and the other card. If that makes sense. I was even more angry that you could almost see that it was going to happen before it happened. You know, there's, there was no need for him to just stand a yard away. And I, I don't know, maybe it was just a reaction because he was so annoyed that he thought he he just made a great tackle and it wasn't a foul. He was just getting wound up and then just 
lost his head. But you can't do that. Like, I don't feel like he's a type of player who loses his head. It was just like a moment of madness. Yeah. I think it wasn't the fact that it, it was he, he stuck a foot out because he was there goading him for a good few seconds as well before he stuck his foot out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a way, you're kind of thinking, why is no one just getting him and dragging him away? But at the same time, he's completely in the wrong. <laughs> and he's, he's a 30 year old man. He, he knows better than that. And yeah, I think you are right. He's just lost. He's, he's just completely lost. He just lost the plot. He's one of them. I'm keen it's to ca- think about on, the etiquette. Uh, sorry, I'm just like, I'm keen to what's the etiquette of actually like moving away from a free kick? Because you see this all the time that you teams get a free kick in, I don't know, their own half and they want to just put the ball down, take a free, free kick. And you see, it's Tenerpenny, you see loads of players just stand right in front of the ball to stop them taking a free kick. And I guess by rights, the free kick taker is perfectly eligible or allowed to just kick the ball almost straight at them. But I've I, I saw that happen quite a few times. The ref just blows the whistle, gives them a warning, tells them to get back. Whereas, I don't know, the ref just thought, because I've just booked you what you're doing and he's, he's, he's booked him again. I don't know. I, I, just see that, I just see that all the time. That's Funnily enough, did you, see, did you see the Everton Palace game just before yes. the third Palace goal? Seamus yeah. Coleman goes to smash the you know win a free kick in the corner Seamus Coleman goes to smash the ball at Zaha who's literally like a yard in front of him misses it entirely and they went and scored from from losing the ball from that situation so serves him right really but but that's I've a different what, scenario isn't it, it when is, when it the is. player hits the purpose he just tries to get the other player but by just kicking it against him whereas Raul had was literally a yard away, whereas usually when you see that scenario, like they pretend the player will pretend that they're like just moving away slowly, but Raul was literally on top of like literally a yard away and didn't seem like he had any attempt to try and move. And I think that was the yeah. difference between I what mean, you normally see. Letter, letter of the law, the, the referee should be marking the yards, shouldn't you, in theory? But and maybe that was Raul trying to create a bit more of time wasting and, and, and asking the referee to say, look, if you want me 10 yards, you're going to have to put me 10 yards away kind of thing. Um, but it's one of those situations where it's the middle of the pitch. It's not like he's having a strike at goal or anything like that. So I can't see a referee actually going out and making that decision to do it. So, And once you've had received that first yellow card, you've got to switch your brain on and, and actually figure out that it's probably not the best decision to make there. I think it's the fact that he stuck his foot out. That's what's got him sent off. Well, then, if, if the ball had just hit him and he'd been standing there, I think he would have got a, like, a, okay, this is your final warning packet mm. kind of thing. But he's, he's purposely lunged to stop the ball being played seconds after he's been booked. So, I mean, big fat John Moss has got no choice there, unfortunately. Do you have any... Is that his official name now? Yeah. Well, he's got Mossy on his boots. That kind of says everything we need to know about the man. So. Really? Has he? Yeah, that's like yeah. Wow, we've seen that celebrity wrestling Twitter page that he he must have featured on that then. Yeah, he's, it was. Oh it was, man, that's like Mark Clattenburg levels of uh, loving yourself. That is, isn't it? Yeah, he's um, he's one of them. You look at him, you think, oh, he's not like that. He's, he doesn't seem to be the type. But uh, I don't know if this is gonna come up. There we are. Mark was it? Wasn't he the one that got seen at goals like in the summer? Um, he was just having a knockabout with his mates or something, I think. You know what? That picture's from Man City, Man City game last season as well. Oh, wow. I think, 
Put a tin foil hat on, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't get you can't get his hat underneath that hat. <laughs> you, might, you might have to change. You might have to change a bit of hat and make a substitute hat. Yeah. I mean, when you first, when you saw it happen straight away, when you saw he put his foot out, did your heart sink or did you think? I mean, did you have any sympathy for him whatsoever for Raul? Did you no, it was always going to happen. Him? I could see what was going to happen before it happened. And I don't know what you could just tell. As you said, he lunged to stop the ball. He was about one yard, not probably not even a yard away. I've got no sympathy, and I love Raul, but that was probably the most stupidest thing I've ever seen him do. It's so unRaul like, isn't it? Yeah. As well, he doesn't do normally yeah. stupid. He hasn't done stupid things much really, and then he's just gone and done that when we when we're really, really in the game where we need all eleven men on the pitch. To be honest. He's, 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 I mean, you saw his frustration as well when you saw off the pitch. In fact, the crowd were having their boot of a game with him, weren't they, when he was going off the pitch? Every time he threw down his headband, all the city. Oh, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Oh, God. Because he was just embarrassed, wasn't he? He was annoyed at himself. In the end, it, it was almost like as it had happened and he just stood there and then he just dawned on him, like, why did I do that? And I think he was just more annoyed slash embarrassed that. I don't know what he was doing, like smashing his headband on the pitch. <laughs> when you look at his, when it zoomed in on his little face, and he looked like he'd been caught wanking by his mom, he was, he was like, well, what have I done? That kind of thing. Not that that's happened to me before you just say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my sister, yeah, but not my mom. Um, yeah, he's, he, he knew straight away what he'd done. So. That has or it hasn't? What? He, he said that has happened. He, he has been caught by his mom, confirmed. No, no, no. I got no, his sister. Mom. Yeah, I got caught by my mom. <laughs> this is, again, this is featured on Cage Fighting Podcast, so you can go and listen over there. But I'll repeat it again for the audience at home. Um, yeah, I was in the, uh, in the glory days of Smash Hits magazine of um, the, the little poster of uh, Louise Nerding. Bad uh, line. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Of who? Louise? Louise Redknapp. The, uh, oh. Nah. I'd have to Google that because it doesn't feel like a wise choice. You're talking mid nineties here. This is like yeah. Louise, Pro- Eternal Louise. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. Why are you like? I'm confused. So why are you like? Oh no, Gully. Weren't she like a sex symbol back in the day? Yeah, she. Well, she don't look bad now. She don't look. Kind of still is, yeah. Yeah, no one looks as good as that picture of um, Liz Hurley on the beach yesterday, though. Top boosters do for you. Kids. <laughs> well, that was that was the first incident of, of of the two, and obviously at this point in the game, we were thinking we were in up slack alley here when it comes when it comes to the rest of the game because playing against City with eleven men is hard enough as it is. Now we've contended to play with ten, and then our cause wasn't helped at all by. The incident involving Matinho, and I might know it, so I've just put VAR WTF. Um, I'll be honest. There's there's the picture on the screen zoomed in for the, the people watching on YouTube. Um, I'll be honest. When I watched this, I actually breathed a sigh of relief when I saw where it hit him because I thought, uh, well, at least there's no way that this can be a penalty. Fine, big fat John Moss is giving it, but I thought when this gets looked at by VAR, there's no way, no way this will stand. It just it just can't. But obviously, how wrong 
I was. Um, who wants to start dissecting this? <laughs> who wants to have a rant? Well, <laughs> I was there, and <laughs> I kind of, for my, for my sins, as soon as it happened, I thought penalty. My first instinct was penalty, straight off. From where we were, I mean, we were up in, I was on the middle tier of the three. Because his arm was up, and I thought, oh, it's a penalty. But And then you kind of, this this image got showed around everywhere. Again, it's the one with Matinho's arm in the air for the uh, audio listeners. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, it's harsh, unnatural position and everything else. And then you lot all laid into me saying, you haven't seen it, which I hadn't. And then it took a, a good two hours later, after the incident happened, for, to see a video on Twitter of the other angle from behind, where you can clearly see it just hits his side. And then maybe even like the, the print on the ball brushes his underarm. It's complete bollocks. And for the entire football world and Dermot on RefWatch this morning to come out and say it was the wrong decision, kind of says everything you need to know about it, really. It's just, it's baffling beyond belief. If it was the other way round, right? Well, I just don't think we would have got the penalty. Like, I genuinely just think that that ref was ready to give Man City a decision. And obviously the crowd were getting on his back at that point. Um, and I just think it was, how could he have been sure to give that penalty in the first place. Like, you couldn't have been... you couldn't He couldn't have seen that and was 100% confident that that was handball. Because it obviously wasn't. No, but that's that's what I'm saying. In in the stadium, it's, it looked like handball. On first viewing, it looked like handball. From yeah. And he was nowhere near the play at all, obviously. But from his angle, with similar players, from behind him, he just looked like... Oh, he's, he's got his arm. He's jumped with his arm. The ball's gone over there. And he's touching his hand. So, with the benefit of doubt of, oh, okay, if it's not, then VAR will, will save my arse. So, this one is not on Big Fat John Moss. This is on our friend from down the road. But this is where, Stu, fair enough, fair enough that, you know, you've, you've given VAR the opportunity to review the situation, giving a penalty still gives you that chance to to make the right decision. For them to then look at it, the amount of time that they did, I think when you think about the context of the game, the situation that we're talking about, the fact that Man City really hadn't got anywhere near us in terms of actually scoring a goal, apart from was the Cody header off the line before that, maybe. That was it. Um, the, I can't recall a real decent chance before that. To then kill us, basically, with that decision, knowing that, you know, we've got 10 men on the pitch. How big a decision that is within the game. If you're going to have to watch this as many times as they did, it's basically inconclusive, essentially, isn't it? You, you should be able to tell what is a handball and what isn't. And the other thing I always think with handballs are, if it's going to be a, a subjective decision, basically, what on what, and it shouldn't be because there's laws to assess this, but if it's going to be a decision whereby... What is the point of the handball rule? The point of the handball rule is to stop someone literally stopping the ball with their hand going in the direction that it needs to be going. Joe Martino does not do that. He's not He's not literally trying to 
stop the ball from heading into the he is well he's he is, he is trying to stop the ball heading into the box. He, he doesn't hit his arm for a start, but Jesus Christ, how many people does it take to get a I mean, it sounds like a joke, doesn't it? How many people does it take to get a VR decision right? Answers on a I mean, postcard. The whole point of VAR is clear and obvious error. And as soon as, soon as they start watching that, and even he, the thing is, even if it does brush his underarm, which it doesn't, even if it does, it only does that by hitting his side first. So it's not handball under any interpretation. Of any why didn't they give it? Why didn't they, the ref, why didn't the, the VAR team give uh, the ref the chance to look at it for the monitor? Like, why did that not happen? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we've all got our own conspiracy theories. What, why, when you've got a Villa fan as your VAR refereeing, <laughs> alternative ref, alternatively refereeing a game from a video monitor, and there's a controversial incident. Who could possibly tell? Why it was, uh, it was maybe slightly biased. Maybe. Who knows? But it was. It's just inept. It's completely inept. It's bollocks. There's no. Re- you, we can kind of, kind of push your foot around it all we want, but. No I did. I did hear another. I did hear another theory. I I did hear another theory, which was basically that uh, this was on the ramble. I think early today, that the way we had behaved up until that point within the game basically put the referees on the side. They, they were probably getting quite frustrated with some of our antics. And you know what? To be honest, I can't really argue with that. There was a bit of um, indulgence on our side with uh, some of the games' uh, dark arts, shall we say. And that automatically puts us on the back foot within the referee. Now, rightly or wrongly, they, they should be as objective as possible regardless of what the situation is. But is there a potential to think, well, serves us right a little bit? I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit here. But ultimately, it was the wrong decision, bottom line. <laughs> even the Kilman, even the Kil- uh, was it the Kilman handball where he kind of leaned into it? I feel like that one was more maybe a penalty because it did hit his arm and he did lean into it as opposed to the Matinho one. I don't think that one was even... Was it checked? I'm not sure. Um, T-shirt line, remember, Kim? T-shirt line. I think even... Was it Peter Walton or was it uh, Dermot again this morning? He said the badge, didn't it? Kilman's one. If it's the badge, then you're you're right. But do we not think with this one, with with Matinho... And I think his arm is actually being pulled away, isn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. I think with with with, with Martinez though, I think that the, the hand position is just the get-out clause. Regardless that it hasn't, and this, this sounds ludicrous just saying it, not only is it hit his hand, it's not hit, even hit his arm, or in the red zone where, of the arm, you know, T-shirt, line and below. It's not even hit that. But I think, you know, feel free to disagree, but I think that just because his hand is where it is, that's the ref's get-out clause, or... Andre Mariner's get-out clause that he just thinks I'll give it because his hand shouldn't be up that high. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I was um, that's what I was saying before I saw the video back. I thought, well, he, his his arms in an unnatural position. He's asking for this, and clearly that's the, kind of, that's the influence they've gone with. But then when they've got the amounts of replays that they have, and one of the replays shows it not touching his arm at all, which to get that image, I had to. I had to screen grab the vi- screen record the video off Twitter and then scrub through it by seconds with my little finger <laughs> on the couch. So, and then, but why? Why do we have to do this? They've got all the technology in the world in their little booth in Stockley Park. Why was it not analysed? Stu, I don't know how do you, my fingers are too fat for that. I don't know. I don't know how you manage that. To be honest. <laughs> Even 
That's quite intricate. That is like to actually actually manage that to, with that detail. Claw hands. Too much time on his hands. Well, I was on on the way back from <laughs> a, a good old session in Altering uh, and Warrior, so nothing better to do than be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I'm sure even Peter Walton said that like. Also, um, the, when you look back on the uh, the video of it, it says that it's inconclusive that he didn't brush off his you know upper arm. So the ref, you know, because it because it couldn't prove either way, but we don't feel decision. Even Rio Ferdinand was going, "Come on, Pete, you know, you, there's, there's defending referees." If it's, if it's inconclusive, <laughs> if it's inconclusive, you are making a decision that leads to a based on xG seventy seven percent chance of a goal happening. Yeah, you can't make stats. Stats. A, what is basically a there you go. I got that off Football Manager. Um, basically, inconclusive decision has led to a very, very, very high chance of a goal being scored. We should never be in that situation in football. Like it just doesn't, it don't work. It doesn't work at all. But unfortunately, if going on that logic, because it's inconclusive, then you have to stay with field decision. Don't you? That's the pro- that's the problem. But there was this. There was it was conclusive because we've all seen it. And we've seen a definitive angle from behind them, behind the play, where it hits Matilio's side and bounces away. Problem is, though, I right, no, it is, but I'm, the, I'm the, trying the to use. Is, like, right, so, so Andre Mariner's role there, right? He'll have looked at that, right? He'll have sort. He knows John Moss give a penalty. He'll have looked at that video. Surely, surely to God, right? He would just say, should say, uh, John, you should probably go and have a look at that yourself on on this on the VAR screen, right? And just take another look. Whereas literally Mariners have looked at that and just gone, yeah, I think I, I've that's a penalty as well. Fucking bullshit. Like, there's no way that he's not, he should have just referred him to go and have a look at the on-screen monitor. Mind you though, would you have any, would you have any faith in John Moss reverse his decision though? Well, at least then he's given, he's given, so many times as it, when they get referred, how many times do they actually say, okay. Most of the time. Virtually all the time, don't they? Yeah, they always go with a referred. If they get referred, decision. that's what yeah. the decision is going to be. It's as good as, yeah. Yeah, so if he's saying, oh, Mossy, you need to have a look at this because it looks a bit dodge. And he goes out, trudling over his little penguin, like, run that as you are. And he gets there and he sees that. I mean, surely, to God. I mean, even he wouldn't be able to say, yeah, I was completely correct there. No, you wouldn't, would you? Because you're not correct. It's, it's an absolute, it's an absolute vast... It is a vast. Do you know what's even more well as annoying? Actually, not it's not even Wolves. I watched some of the other games and the penalties that are given, they're just infuriating me. And I'm just neutral in the games. And it's like Ronaldo going down like he's been shot and he was barely touched. Madison um, against was it Burnley? He like basically just like kicked the defender's leg to get a penalty. And so it's not. It wasn't just our game that annoyed me. It was just the whole thing of all these decisions where I don't feel like a lot of them were penalties. Some might say that Ronaldo one was the touch of a rapist. Um, um, but you're right. Yeah, you're right because I, I mean, you think about the. I think the Rafinha one for Leeds. I thought he won the ball like pretty cleanly um, mm. with that one. Mm. The, and then the Rudiger one, uh, Mateus Click when he fouled Rudiger, 
a game. How is that foul resulting in a situation where you've got a 77% chance of scoring a goal? He's facing away from goal. He's not got the ball under control. And yet it's just uh, it's just it just makes no sense if you think about it. Like and these are this is how this is how big teams are getting away with results. That's the biggest problem with it, I think. Teams are they're handicapped anyway with the finances on offer, the quality of the squads that these teams are hoarding. They're hoarding players as well. Like they've got players on their bench that would walk into most of our teams, which is, you know detrimental to basically the entire league and then they're getting all the officiating on their side as well i can handle being beaten the way we lost to liverpool like i'm okay with that but the way we lost this game to manchester city it's just you know it spits in the face of of, of fans up and down the country and the other way round, a lot of those sorry can you say a lot of those penalties if it was for instance norwich and it was teaming pookie it wouldn't have been given if it was a dharma triore for for us, it wouldn't have been given. So that's what quite probably give a free rated. kick against Traore. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just I feel feel like yeah, maybe that's well, enough of the general football chat. But I just find it generally a farce. It's not the fact that I don't think we're being particularly biased towards Wolves. It's just generally quite annoying. The question then: Have we just got the worst refs in Europe right now? Because it seems like it seems like all these decisions. And we can't seem to work out VAR amongst the, the, the guy on the field and the guy in the, in the control room. Are we, are we just, have we got the, the, the good tech, but shit operating the tech? Well, we, we all said the same thing, didn't we? After the Euros worked very well, and then you start the Premier League up again, and it's cock up after cock up <coughs> for the first three weeks. And then you have all, all, like people like Dale Johnson on Twitter saying, oh, well, it's because they don't have as many people, and you can't have a dedicated offside VAR. So, well, it doesn't matter. They're not fit for purpose, a lot of them. And then the fact that these... I, mean, I know we've kind of joked about John Moss's size and he can't <laughs> run around. It's not, he's, been, he's been bad for years. And yet to be fair, I mean, in, in this game, he only had half a pitch to work in because the ball was only ever in the one half can... anyway. Am I right in saying it was... It was... It was uh, Nuno who had a go with John Moss last, last year. It was Lee Mason that Nuno had a go oh, at. It was Lee Mason. Saying basically, yeah, he's just unfit to referee, which is amazing to think right, that he actually had that claim. But there's there's so many of them. I, you know, I've, I've listened to this on some, I can't remember what podcast it was, but they were talking about it, like how, oh no, it was about like, Formula One drivers, how there's people there who are just, people like Alonso and Reikland's retired now. I know you, you lot don't care, but... It's the same thing that all these old guys are there cluttering up the, the, the pack when you've got a, a lot of young people coming through and they're just being denied by these chances who are just still like lingering on. And it's exactly the same kind of thing here. Like We've got the guy from Australia who's they've been fast-tracking to the Premier League after one year in the Championship. Because I was just going to mention him actually as well. I was going to mention when he guys like it. It is quite funny when you see like these high, you know, these elite athletes are being ref by people like Mike Dean and John Moss. Like people, you think then they're not in like peak physical age or probably fitness. But hey, oh, th- there you go. We've um, we could rant all night on that really. Gully, can we come in before we move on? Anything to add? I, well, I just wanted to say just to kind of yeah again move the conversation on. I think if Raul stays on the pitch, we have a sniffer winning that game. Because I felt we were comfortable defensively pretty much throughout the, the fixture. I don't think Man, Man City were poor. I, I didn't think they were very good at all. And if 11 well, I mean, was versus 11 second half, 
You never know. Oh, I don't think we would. We wouldn't have because we weren't ambitious enough. The whole game. Oh, here we go. There's the the real real (laughs) RG-Bargy coming. We'll get on on to that in a minute. I just want to say, before we move on to to that line of conversation, we we did have a good chance right at the end um, with the King, Max Kilman. I mean, we defended like stalwarts all game long. So the City, apart from the Cody head off the line, didn't really have much of a chance. But I thought, I did think for a split second, and there's the chance on, on screen you can see. I did think without it comes about ninety minutes, wasn't it? And we had this little break around. And I just thought we can get we can get something here. I honestly thought we could we we can snatch a, an equaliser, and I would have gone absolutely ape shit if we'd have gone in. And it was quite close, wasn't it? Kilman right at the end. I mean, how mental would you have gone if you had got that in? I mean, the, the place would have gone. It would have gone up. That it would have gone try or a two 0 game levels of mental after after seeing that performance in the backs to the wall in the second half. But again, it only adds to the frustration that we managed to do that with 10 men in the last five, few minutes of the game when, like Kim said, it was so... Yeah, the defence has been so good against Liverpool and Man City. We lost both games and created, what, five chances between two games. It's been that negative that... It's like, it's more negative than Nuno was. And I'm not... I mean, I was pretty open about saying that if Nuno had still been here, I wouldn't have renewed my season ticket because I'd had enough of that nonsense. And I know, yeah, they're the best two teams in the league, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't have a go. And we had the guy in the preview show last week saying, from the Man City preview show, saying, if you have a go at us, that's the best way to get something, like Palace have in the past, in the past couple of years and stuff. But we didn't even try until the last minute with Kilman. <laughs> and it's like, 66 it's... minutes is when Sterling put that ball in the net. And it took us till the last few minutes to be like, oh, we should try and get a goal because we're one, we're losing the game. And I think what? I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that we go gung ho because we're playing Man City. I'm not that naive. However, we've seen teams like Palace get something against Man City, and they haven't been as negative. And what I mean by that is when we get the ball, we. we our passing's not good enough. We lose it. We were getting it and losing it. It's coming all the way back. And we just needed to have a bit of composure. And what we've got to realise is we're not Norwich. We're not Burnley. We're not Newcastle. I know we've got some... We need new players or whatever. We've got a small squad. But these players are mid-table to upper-table players. We're not as, you know, underdog and bad as it, it may, if we're well, making out. On, on that line, so after, after the game... Uh, Pep made some comments and his quote was, it's difficult to play against a team that didn't want to play. So is that a case of more like, sorry, mate, we didn't play how you wanted us to? Or is it that, have we actually played anti-football for for the last two games? And, you know, should, should, should we, or do we attack these like elite, elite teams and risk getting a spanking? Would, would our fans be happy if we, Attack them, lose four nil. So let's say if we lost four nil against both Liverpool and Man City, but we quote unquote had a go. Is that any better this, or worse than, than what we've done in the this, last two games? This is the thing that I find amazing when people talk about the fact that we we're, we're not having a go at these teams. Like, still, I'm gonna I'm gonna hark back to uh, an episode of Set Piece Menu. Actually, I know you listen, uh, Adam. Do you listen to Set Piece Menu as well, Kim? Haven't recently to Set Piece Menu. No. Well, they they had a really good debate once about the way that we kind of perceive our, te- our own team's performances. And essentially, most fans, and this is pretty much everyone, only ever see one team on the football pitch, right? 
whether it be and it, it's obviously usually only their own team so a bad result is always a bad performance from their own team a good result is a good performance from their own team and then whatever you want in between there isn't such a thing that you know maybe Liverpool are stopping us from attacking maybe Man City are stopping us from attacking now I understand that we are sitting back and trying to catch them on the counter-attack what I can't agree with is that the Liverpool game last week we didn't try to attack I don't believe that personally I don't believe personally that we're more negative than under Nuno I think we've found ourselves in situations where we might have given the ball away where Liverpool have fouled they've won the ball back in in situations where we might have been looking threatening Man City just keep the ball away from you till you know the day you know until the, the second coming that's just what they do um like that's a difficult scenario to find yourself in. Now, if we decide that, you know, we're going to throw three, four, five men forward at, you know, a situation when we have won the ball back, next thing you know, we're going to get killed. Like, it's just going to happen. The space is going to be there. The the way we were looking to do, to play the game this weekend, I think, was to take the game to probably about the 70th minute at nil-nil and then probably come out and have a go at them and open up the spaces with Traore. Maybe he brings an extra forward on at that point. But if, like I say... I know we didn't show ambition in the first half and Raul's sending off has killed us entirely. I still think if we're 11 v 11, our plan comes to fruition because we weren't threatened. I really don't think we were threatened in that game. But which would be fine if we hadn't been so inept at Norwich, where we had exactly the same levels of ambition and we were equally as blunt up front. But that's just us being shit. Yeah. And, but it's not just a one-off, is it? It's not just against Man City and Liverpool. It's in a lot of away games where we've literally just gone to defend against really medi- mediocre teams that we are better than on paper. But there's, there's a difference between playing badly and actually the plan being something else. Bruno isn't setting the team up, I think, to give the ball away on the halfway line to make bad decisions when in possession. He's setting the team up to create opportunities to attack teams. If that doesn't then get implemented out on the pitch, to a certain extent, I've got a bit of sympathy for him. But that's his job, to get the players to do that. I'm, I'm not being funny. Going back to that Leeds game, Adama Troy already started that Leeds game. He was on the pitch for probably about 70 minutes, I think. He completed zero dribbles in that game. Nothing when have you ever heard of Adama never beating a player within a game? That's like... What, how's, how's Bruno supposed to kind of legislate for that? He can't. His plan is when Adama gets the ball, he beats people. He didn't beat beat anyone. That's not on him, really, is it? Yeah, this is what I said about uh, the Norwich after the Norwich game as well, where he was moved out of position after seven or eight minutes because he did a fuck all. He, he, he offered absolutely nothing at all, and he, he looked like he was he'd been, he'd been playing for two days straight. And that's his attitude problem. And then look, amazingly, he, he was massively up for the last two weeks. I wonder why. But again, I'm not. This is not having a go at. Uh, Bruno at all because we all know that the, he's got he can only work with what he's got and that's down to recruitment and financing we all know that but it's I don't get the whole the absolute loving about how, how brilliantly defensive we are because I think there's certain people on Twitter as well who've said the same thing that yeah it's all well and good when you just go to not let the opposition play which Pep's got a point it doesn't bother him why should we listen to him like like, like Bruno said it's nothing to do with him but He's valid in what he says because we went to spoil the game, and but then again, that's what a lot of teams do. Like we're playing Man City, what does he expect? We're not going to go gung ho. So I think his comments were just a bit ridiculous because we're not just going to roll over and go out all attack, are we, and let them score? I think 
this is a ridiculous comment. On the other hand, we need to get that balance right. We need to be better on the counter. To be fair, I'm it's not all, saying it's, it's all relative, isn't it? Like it's all relative. Like we when we were in the championship, I'm sure we had teams that come and set up to spoil the game mm-hmm. against us, and then we're doing the same. We get it's the food chain, isn't it? What you're saying, Kim, is like. You should, no one should be bothered by that, should they? Football, there's many ways to play a game of football, isn't there? If we choose was to it, do that. Was it Sunderland that came to Molyneux and we drew 0 0 and they literally yeah. just sat 10? It was a diabolical game of football. But yeah, it, we've all seen it, you know, like you say, the food chain. It's We were top dogs in that season, weren't we? And they were Netflix, Sunderland till I die kind of levels of shit. Um, I'm sure that was the, the Netflix season. Um, but. Yeah. Well, so it is. It is. It's pretty like small-minded thinking that from. I think you see quite a lot from from Pep and Klopp that uh, quote unquote smaller team in the league sort of comes up to their home ground and they just expect them to have like an open, expansive game against them. It's not going to work when, especially when Man City, their team, the whole squad costs about a billion pounds or something stupid. You want us to like just come out and attack and go toe to toe? Is that not just like? completely flawed, stupid way of approaching the game. I mean, surely the element of tactic we, is that, yeah, we'll defend. We're actually quite good at defending at the minute, so you try and break us down and we'll get you on the counter. What's the point anyway when you've already got half a stadium to entertain? <laughs> oh, Fucking, did you see the empty seats in that clip that you just showed with the Kilman chance? Ros, going to move on to that to Stu, because she was, uh, she was our there. man on the ground, so um, I, mean, this is... I was uh, going to ask Stu for your opinion on that. Yeah, this is the, the Kilman chance again for the audio listeners. Um, this is later in the game, but it was like this from the start. There was at least, I mean, what's it old now, 53, something like that? There was at least eight, 9,000 empty seats all around the place. And it was, it was dead. It was completely dead. Like I do wonder, though, hang on, I do wonder if it's to do with this whole COVID thing, because I noticed that Leicester, and I'm sure Leicester don't usually have that many, there was loads of empty seats. Like, is this a running theme? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a season-wide problem, because... And is, think... is, that what, is that what affected Albion as well? <laughs> <laughs> it ties into the... Um... Although they've got their balloons out there, so they can see whether the ball is actually being played. Um... <laughs> oh, I think Steve's gone. We've, we've lost him. We've lost him. Either that, or he's, he's having a really deep thought. He looks like <laughs> he looks like he's seen, he's seen a ghost. To be honest, like, <laughs> fucking hell. But it baffles. To be honest, Man City. It baffles me. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You're back. Go on, carry on. Oh, no, I thought I was there anyway. Oh, well. No, you weren't. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Man- at least Man City, you normally get a bit of Blue Moon and you get that um, We're Not Really Here song. Ooh, love a Blue Moon. At least, at least once. Good beer. None. It was just, oh, let's sit, there, let's sit here like good boys and girls, like we're at the theatre. 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 Over three tiers, it's hard to get an atmosphere going anyway, as we found at Wembley and whatever. So it's not the greatest place to get anything going, but it's been a running theme of the season where whenever we've gone, it's been just dead. And this has been, and the, the only two that are different is Leeds because they have a season last year in in person, and Brentford because it's like, and it's 
both of their first time, I mean, a lot of Leeds fans' first time in the Premier League. So maybe it's a bit of fatigue setting in. Maybe it's a, a bit of COVID there as well that people don't want to sing and spread the disease. Um, it could just be, it could be a lot of things, but it's definitely a thing this season where the atmosphere is awful throughout the whole league. It just is. Mm. I do find with and our, but our atmospheres well. aren't even good either, are they? Our home atmospheres aren't good either. So it's been it's it's, it's been yeah. everyone. It's it's like a, there's been a reset and everyone's been reset to like twenty years in the future where we all like born with clappers instead of hands. <laughs> I do find City though quite like entitled in the fact that they just sit there arms folded, waiting for a goal to be scored yeah. or like three or four ever score the game. It just seems a bit of a to me. It just seems a bit of a soulless existence, doesn't it? Because you get nine, you know, what? How, Twenty teams in the league. You're probably going to like brush past about sixteen of them. Uh, obviously, you can't beat yourself. But uh, the other teams going to play, you, you know, all but Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, and probably maybe United. I suppose you know you, you brush past most of them. So I don't know. It must be a bit of a soulless I've, existence. I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Why don't they create a league where they can play all the other big teams in Europe <laughs> against each other and just live happily ever after and see how they, where, they, where that gets them? Put good that idea. in writing. Put that in writing. It's like a good idea. That you is. know what? I'll, I'll try and get a think like a, a think tank on it, like a group together and see what they think. <laughs> so from the game then, any any heroes? So anyone particular like Cody or... Again, I thought Nori had a fantastic game. And actually, we had um, a Twitter question from, from Ben Massey, who posed a bit of a, a question for when Johnny comes back. I think we can all agree that at the minute, Nori is performing really, really well. He played pocketed Salah, another good game against uh, City on Saturday. What happens when Johnny's fit then? Where does What, what happens to Nori? Does Johnny go straight back in or... Do we tell Johnny he's got to sit on the bench for a bit? If he continues, if Agnuri continues to show this level of form, I think you have to say that Johnny will sit on the bench for a bit. I think the test will come where we need someone to be really solid at, at sort of in, in Agnuri's position. And Agnuri's looked maybe suspect, but at the moment, even obviously we know going forward, Agnuri is better than Johnny, you could say. However, I think still in the long term, Johnny's probably better defensively. But then last few games, you can't argue, can you, with Aitnori in in defensively? I think he's been absolutely outstanding. Marking Salah out of the game. And if we hadn't, if he didn't get injured and we didn't have to take him off, we'd have probably come out with a draw then against Liverpool because we probably wouldn't have conceded that goal. So. Yeah, I think at the moment it, it's his shirt to lose if he continues to play at this level, personally. And that's expecting Johnny to come back as the player he was as well. Yeah. And not someone who's been broken yeah. twice in the space of a year and a half. It's a massive ask to even expect him back to any, anywhere near that level, let alone without a pre-season under his belt as well. And I think it's, the question's more more relevant that does he replace Marcel on the bench for me? Because where's he going to? He can't just come back after the, the injuries that he's had and just sit there and then expect to play. He's got to he's got to play under twenty three football. He's got to build himself up again properly, and not be rushed back. And there is no rush. Yeah. He's, got, he's got plenty of time. Thankfully, because because we've got Aitnuri playing well, I, I think the other thing worth remembering is the fact that 
we always wanted a little bit more going forward out of Johnny, I think. Um, yeah, even when he was at the top of his game, brilliant, solid defender, able to snuffle out any kind of attacker. But because he ain't left-footed, because he wasn't necessarily that great going forward. I know Aitno is flattered to deceive a little bit uh, going forward this season so far, but he is still a more natural player in the final third who is likely to produce a little bit more. So you almost want him because if he's if he's got both sides of his game now, he's, he's becoming a complete wing-back. Any other heroes from the game that anyone wants to call out? I, I still think Adama had a good game. Like for the for the time he was on the pitch, I, I, I think ultimately he did what he could. And, you know, maybe there was an odd opportunity to actually go and take on three or four men. But, you know, that's his job and that's the thankless task that we leave him with every week and that's the standards that we hold him to. Uh, yeah. I think the, the two obvious ones are defensively, aren't they? Cody and Kilman. Obviously, Kilman. Unreal. Unreal defensively. Did that little mazy run, didn't he, at, um, towards the end of the game. Obviously, then got on the end of the header. And then I think there was a corner, wasn't there, again, which he nearly, from that, from the resulting header, when we had the corner, he nearly he nearly went close again. So, I think, for me, he was man of the match. Maybe you could say Cody, because, again, he, you know, he had the clearance off the line. Was just generally really, really solid, um, but I would give it Kilman. Not that I'm biased. <laughs> in the club, even Gully's in the club now. Oh, no, absolutely. We've got to give special mention to Jazz Sar again as well, though. He's just every week he just gets better and better and better, and it's all all the fools who thought him for um, anywhere near a bad replacement. Humble pie all over your faces. <laughs> he didn't have that much to do, though, did he? No, but what he, what he did do... He what did he had to do, yeah. yeah. Was good. yeah. I mean, it's, his positioning is saving us points a lot more than people realise. And I think that's, that's going to come down... When we're not playing someone of this calibre, maybe Brighton, when we come on to that, maybe somewhere like that where he's not overly battered and he's, he's been well protected and he's not got much to do. That that's when you're going to see the best out of him really come out. I mean, because we all know his distribution, that ain't been able to be shown for a few weeks, obviously. But yeah, I just think he's there's no kind of worries anymore, is there? I think that's going to help him defensively as well. That they're just not worried about him. Yeah, he can go mental like he did in the Liverpool game every three or four games. But that's a one-off, and he normally gets away with it. And he, so far, he has done. But I just think he's brilliant. Can we go into villains now? I literally, it's like you've got my notes right in front of you, Kim. I've got here Panto mm. Villain and Sace with a, with a marker against Panto Villain. Can I rant on about this one? Because it's really, really annoyed me. If this was the floor, against... The floor is yours. If this was against another team, right, we would all be going crazy. But because it's our own player, it's okay. Well, it's not. Because that was absolutely <laughs> embarrassing. Absolutely. Like, okay, so we got... Hit in the eye, I get it. But to roll around like a fairy, that was just, it's embarrassing. I just didn't understand the need, and I get it. We, all of our all of our fans were moaning about Brentford a few weeks ago, right? And we were just as bad with it. And I, I'm, I'm okay with it to a point, but when you feign an injury like that, he was fine. 
you need to have to have two trainers just to have some eye drops. Kim, are you, are you telling Sa- are you telling Sace to man up? Well, that's all I needed to say, wasn't it, really? <laughs> I've used about 500 words instead of just two words, man up, yeah, if he's listening. But what if he wears contacts in one of his pods? Oh, I had, a, I, had, I had that in a game the other day, and it was the most bothersome thing, guys, terrible. Did you, you go down like this, did they? Uh... I asked to come off actually <laughs> because I was like, I was just worried about losing it and like just not being able to find it ever again. So I just said, like, can I come off because I'm more worried about losing my contact lens and actually finishing the game. <laughs> there you go. Do you reckon, reckon say so use those words with um, whoever flicked him in the eye? This is really bothersome, mate. Fuck off. <laughs> Raheem, Raheem, come on, man. Just, do you know what this is? But see, that's the thing like, Obviously, like it's, it was a, um, an art of shit hours in there by sex, but I mean, it's the same people who probably say, Yeah, let's get like I remember like everyone saying, oh, Let's get someone like Diego Costa if we can because it's a shit house, that's what we need. But you're like, No, because everyone will get pissed off like they do with Saints on Saturday, rolling around nah, and just winding people up. I don't think anyone did get pissed off though, apart from me. No, I no, just found it really annoying, yeah. Whereas if it was the other way. If it was the other, if it was Man City doing that, we'd be going on about it on Twitter for like a week. So it's like we can't just be this biased. Wolves fans are the most biased fans in the world. I do think this is where people are starting to abuse their their head injury law as well. Like obviously there was an actual serious head injury, and Max Kilman's ticked off the best centre back in the world requirement list to actually play with a head bloodied headband now. So um, well done him, but like. Obviously, the rule now is that if there's a head injury, they just stop play. Um, whatever happens, and I think there are the odd abuses uh, to that. I've seen it in a few times, a few games, to be fair. And after that head injury, uh, Neves did get the eye test of how many empty seats can you see? Blowing. That was brilliant. That's that's a you're great right, meme. You're all right, uh, right to carry on. <laughs> right then, so that brings uh, brings us to a bit of a close on the the Man City debacle. Um, we'll take a break now when we come back we'll have a quick chat about Wolves in general where we are and then look forward to Wednesday night's game away at Brighton if it goes ahead Attention parents and students we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep this is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules it can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time. It has already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams. They provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. After the video, you can go through what you've already learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information and our listeners can sign up today for a free 30-day trial. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot U-K forward slash info forward slash football. ProPrep, the ultimate study tool. Okay, guys, welcome back to Fancast. So, guys... 
I want to talk just before we get into Brighton, just a little bit about Wolves in general, about where we are. So we're coming in there into the busy Christmas period with a very small squad. Um, all of our, seemingly all of our goals and even their shots just seem to have dried up. So at the minute, Wolves have only scored 12 goals this season so far, which unfortunately for us is second bottom to Norwich in the league. Um, we've only had 166 shots, which is the third worst in the league. Well, that, strangely enough, I do note that we um, we are fifth in the league for big chances missed. So, what we're, the, 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 the little the little things we are creating, we're missing them anyway. But what, what I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but to delve in a bit more, how do you, how do you see us at the moment? Because at the start of the season, we were. We were a revelation when we didn't win any of our first three games. Lost them all one nil, but we were having shots left, right, and centre. Then our form picked up, even if our goals and shots went went down. And now we just seem to be in the worst of both worlds, and that we we the shots and goals are completely dried up, and we're not even we're not even getting anything any results out of our games at all. Um, do you see it as a bit of a concern at all? I think he's almost. The first three games kind of... It's almost like he was spooked that playing that way and getting nothing and then thinking, oh, no, this isn't working. Even though we were unlucky in a lot of them, the chances that we actually did have in the first few games. It's it's so weird because it, it was almost like a switch had been flipped with him where he's gone, okay, you guys know what you're best at. You go and do that and we'll kind of work off that base. And that base has never kind of been worked from. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's go back to what what the Trident tested under the new now. This is how you know to how to play. You don't have to defend for the whole first half anymore, but still kind of stay in shape. And then he's moved midfield around slightly. But it's it's not what we kind of expected. And again, like I said earlier and I said the last few weeks, it's not his fault because they're not his players. You can't expect it's like when we, when you're trying to get Sol back into play with McCarthy's players, it was never going to work even in a million years. Similar kind of idea. So it's going to take time, but at the same time, we kind of if we hadn't had them three games and we hadn't had a glimpse of what was possible, I don't think we'd be that bothered. I think we'd all kind of accept, okay, it's a work in progress. It's going to take a while, but because we have had that, and because we had the West Ham, and because we had the game against Everton however ridiculously bad they are, we've had glimpses of what's possible. And when that's then not continued afterwards, it's like, well, what are we doing here? And like Kim said earlier about the, the away games, it's we're a completely different team away from home. It's like we go, to, we go to get a point and against some dross as well. And so why, when we know that we've got the players to play better than we are, it's almost like he feels like he has to get the points first and then push on, which is not what he kind of came in saying. It's almost like he's trying to prove that he needs players a lot of the time. And I feel like that's the case with he doesn't change it early enough a lot of the time. And it's like, cause almost he's like trying to say, we don't have the squad depth, I need players. I've just, I'm just running these players into the ground, which is kind of true in, in some sense. But I think... I think it's a bit of both. I think he obviously needs players, like you said, Stu. But at the same time, the players, the, the 13, 14 players that we do have should be 
better than they are than they have been in a lot of games and it's just those little glimpses in games where we played well for the majority of the games against Everton against West Ham and then to go back to this I think the games after like Leeds and I think it was Palace I just don't get it like I wish I did but I can't and I can't see how we're doing a two out of ten performance one week and then the next week we're going back to eight out of ten then we're going to a two out of ten it just doesn't make sense. I can't get my head around why that is. I don't... It's a curious one because I I think all the signs are there that we actually are quite a well-coached team. I think the fact that he's got the defensive setup working as well as it has is shows you that he's got good coaching credentials. He's got players like Cody and Sace defending more proactively, looking solid. He's worked worked Kilman into a player who I think the way he's playing at the moment could basically play at anywhere. Like he, he, he looks that good. Um even our wing backs, like I say, you know, people have question marks over Samado and Aitnuri. Defensively they've been absolutely excellent. The problem being we've got a bit of a one paced midfield. Um there is no dynamism in there whatsoever. And Which he noted, that... didn't he? He yeah, noted he, and... he came in and he knows that. Yeah, and ultimately, I think the dynamism in the team comes from Adama, full stop. Adama played in those three games at the start of the season, created all that chaos, created all those situations where we were firing shots at goal, etc. But ultimately, we didn't create lots and lots of good chances. Now, what we've done, I think, against teams like Everton, as an example, we weren't as dynamic, we weren't as, you know, kind of fluid but we managed to build play better. We created good chances and ultimately we managed to keep teams at arm's length as well. Um, and he's trying to strike that balance, but we're going to, we're going to find these games where we're just, and we are in a pretty shitty run of fixtures at the moment where teams that we're playing against are going to make us look a bit poorer than we actually are. Now there's, you can't legislate for playing shit against Norwich. You can't legislate for the performance against Palace. Palace away was was terrible, but they were physically stronger than us. They were quicker than us in all areas of the pitch. And again, it comes down to recruitment. But I still think Bruno is a good coach and we are a well-coached team. There are signs that we are a good team. He is a bit mental, considering what we've got. Question? No, I was just going to say, there is, even though from the outside looking in, it's the same as under Nuno because of the shape. But... Well, Gully said he's right. How well coached they are, and they know their roles, and how he changed Matinho and Neves to stay on one side of the pitch rather than one beyond the other has been a revelation for both of them. But they are so one pace that when you have someone like the legend in making of his Conor Gallagher who destroys us, and you have teams who press us and we can't deal with it, what can you do about that other than defend on mass? I think what's so surprising is he came in with the credentials that he was a really good sort of attacking style manager and we play this we're going to play this like free flowing attacking football and in some we've seen it in flashes so I don't doubt that that's what he wants to get to but I think the reality is we're not there in terms of the players that we currently have to our disposal we don't have that dynamism in midfield we don't have that creativity in midfield, someone to play alongside Neves, who's, you know, dare I say, Renato Sanchez. 
style player, then I think the reality is until we, you know, get some different style of players in centre midfield, I don't think a lot's going to change. Can't talk about um... Sanchez. It was it was all a ruse. That style player, though. <laughs> we've had uh, we've had the tweet in from uh, at Linkswolf, who um, I think he's posed he's posed a scenario to you here. He said, uh, "Uncle Jeffrey is is at the Christmas do. I think he's got tipsy, and uh, he's offered an open checkbook for any one of the following: Deli Ali, who apparently will be available, uh, Joel Felix, Renato Sanchez, Coutinho, Talisco, Botman. Who do you have?" And he says, "If he sells, if he says he'll sell Traore, you can have another one. Who would you who would you go and sign? Definitely sell yeah. Traore, wouldn't you? If you could get two of those." You'd sell Traore because we've got loads of attacking players. We've got Neto to come back. And you then you miserable in, man, you like And then you bring people. in Deli Ali, Coutinho, or Sanchez, any of them with a bit of midfield creativity. And that's not me having to go at Traore. That's just me saying we need centre midfielders. Deli Ali hasn't played well for a bit for years. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. No, no way. He needs to run a games. You never know. But he, so you, wouldn't, you wouldn't take him on loan. Yeah, no. But he can go loan to MK Dons again. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Jordan brought this up years ago, and that was years ago about Deli Alley. And he said, the same thing he said then. Oh, he went to play a few games, and he has, and he's just played shit. If he wasn't who he is, he would have been dropped, and he would have been down in the championship by now. Because well, he, when he comes on loan in January. And he plays a run of 10 games for us and he top bins a couple. We'll remember this conversation. He, we can, the, the, we can, I'll clip it out myself. It's never going to happen. This, <laughs> this is the thing, though. When we talk about adding Dynamas into our team, Deli Ali doesn't do that. I don't. He's not He's not mobile. I, we watched him at Molyneux this season. I thought, you know, this was a player at one point in time. And, you know, he, he scored 15, 20 goals in the season, I think, um, when... Pochettino was at his peak and stuff, but I think he's good at getting on the end of things and stuff. And the the fact that he got man of the match in that game against I think against us at Molyneux was incredible because he was just he, he he wasn't good. But you you just look at that deeper bit of mid position in midfield. You need someone who's going to break from there, carry the ball, and make runs. And it just screams Renato. It does. Like there aren't that many players like that in the world, unfortunately. Um, and one of them is a George Mendes client, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles for us, isn't it? So, but the dream's over. He, he ain't coming. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we've got Santa. We've got Santa Claus in our top left corner. Top left corner of my screen. So, if we ask nicely and we behave ourselves, maybe we can get something after Christmas. We all know we're going to get Gibbs White, and he'll be put there. What a player he's looking, though. By the way. Yeah, because he's been playing in his actual position, like we've always said. Yeah, but it's one thing playing that well in the championship, but it's another thing playing well. Leave him alone. Yeah. Get him. Let him get a full season, and uh, then we'll unleash him next year. Or sell him and get some money back. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think I can hear. I think I can hear a grasshopper in the background. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They'll they'll be back in Europe before we are, I reckon, wouldn't they? No, oh, of course. 
probably under with with Say. Is Say still there? Say Say. He's direct, director of football. Uh, he knows what he knows That's what he's doing. Nice. He's got a degree in all sorts of shit, hasn't he? I'll he's got about he twelve degrees, doing. I think, hasn't he? <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the the Brighton game then. Like I say, well, if, at, at time of talking, uh, we are scheduled to play Brighton away on Wednesday night uh, up against Gully's mate, Mister XG Potter. Um, two sides, really. There you go. Yeah, showing the love for the video viewers. Uh, again, a tale of two sides struggling to score. So we've already discussed Wolves' woes about struggling to score. Brighton, not much better. They've only scored fourteen goals uh, this season. Um, now we don't need omens really when we play Brighton because it's practically illegal for Wolves to win against Brighton. It's just like seems like it's unwritten football law. That we just never seem to, to beat them. There you go. The, the stats are up on screen now for those that can see. So, out of six games, we've only won the one. I don't remember when that was, to be fair, but we drew four. Brighton won the one. Obviously, these are all Premier League games. Um, and as I said, it's low scoring affairs, really. Wolf scored seven, Brighton scored seven. They are, without doubt, our bone side. Um, and to compound that, look at the form guy, Brighton haven't won in 10. I've not won 10 games, right? So, yeah, we know um, what happens then. We know what's going to happen on Wednesday. Adam, I, t- I tell you why we don't. <laughs> I tell you why you don't know why we, when we've beaten them, it's because it was nobody was there last season. Oh, there you go. Didn't yeah. count. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Gibbs White with the winner. That was, uh, we actually played yeah. quite well that game. Yeah. Well, last time, out, last time we played them at the Amex. It was actually, I say low scoring affairs, it was bloody 3 3, wasn't it? That's put, that's put oh, me to, to right straight away. Um, wasn't it? Did we go 3 1 up? Yes, there we go. It's on screen again for those that can see. We actually went 3 1 up, so we went a goal behind, commonly scored for Brighton, then say Spurn on goal, Neves, all in the first half. 3 1 in half time, lovely, lovely. 3 3, end of the game. We just, we just, we just curse against this team, aren't we? What, what have we got to do to beat them? I mean, well, they've got they've got a few um, players out there, haven't they? A fair, well, a lot of players out with COVID, four out with COVID, and then they've got some suspensions and some injuries. So you know what happens? We still won't win. <laughs> For those that can see it on <laughs> screen, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what player it was, but his face has just been his face is currently a mess of COVID right now. For those that can see it on screen. But yeah, I think um, was it Andy Naylor, I think from the Athletic uh, earlier on today, tweeted out saying they've already got Dunk, Duffy, Webster, Welbeck, among others out. They've got a couple that are coming back from injury, and then these mysterious three or four positive COVID tests. I don't think we know who those players are right now, do we? But um, as if as if the run of ten games that they think was bad enough, with all these players out as well, we're we still going to be not going to beat them, are we? <laughs> He's told us that. I bet he's like the backroom staff that have all got COVID or something. And he, he turns up and he's got a full strength lineup. He's like, hey, boys, how'd you go in there? Didn't I? Like, but, uh, I don't know. It, you'd think that he's a, he's a cursed manager, to be fair, Graham Potter. His team should be ahead of a lot more um, successful than they have been. Like I say, Mr. XG, that is that is literally his his moniker now, isn't it? But um with all those injuries, you'd like to think that we uh, should be 
with the upper hand if the game goes ahead and I hope it does because I've got a ticket so um, yeah. oh loyalty <laughs> Brighton on a Wednesday night I know I know must be uh, respect would you if if it got called off before the before I set off say what would you do would what's you still go down and spend what, the, I've got we've got a hotel booked uh, well we're setting out about 12 um, but We've got a hotel. We're stopping overnight. Would you? Would you still make a week, a, a couple of days of it, or not well, stay for? Back, are you? No. Oh, I would. Yeah, it's something to do eh, before everyone gets locked down for months on end anyway. So that's you true. Want well, that's... You might as well go for it. Yeah. Something, something to do before your COVID pass comes ineligible or invalid. <laughs> oh, because they haven't had enough booster. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Expiration date. Well, to be fair, uh, with with, uh, with with Brighton, I mean, start of the season, let's say they were they were top four, five. I mean, the, the XG was actually becoming G. They were getting the goals, weren't they? They were doing, they were <laughs> performing quite well. But then, obviously, in the last ten games, the G's become F all, and they've not been scoring for love and the money. To be honest, and they've dropped. Their but they've there. continued to play very well, and they've passed around and created loads of chances. <laughs> But they still haven't won, so it's pretty pointless, isn't it? Yeah, and they still get booed off by their own fans. Are they? I found that amazing. That was amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah, he potter had a bit of a dig, didn't he? And his, uh, mm. his post match into it, didn't he? Reminding them of their history. <laughs> yeah, yes. He goes, I need a history lesson on the football club because he's confused why he's getting booed. But I think they're. they're, they're... I, I like watching them because, like you say, that there's always something going on with Brighton when they've moved the ball. It's with purpose. It, they seem to get into the final third, you know, at will almost in some games. If they had a, if new... they had a row up top, do you reckon that they would yeah. like be like Champions League? I think so, but they've got Neil Mopai, haven't they? So um, you know. <laughs> he ain't Raul, is he? <laughs> Less... Last, no, last famous words, that isn't it? He's going to score a hat. Last season, that's Glenn Rudin, though. Oh, God, what a terrible, terrible player. And yet, what a, what a successful one. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know. They've got, some, they've got some kind of secret formula going on, which means that they seem to play well against everyone. Um, and yet, I'm starting to wonder why I bought a ticket to this game now, to be honest. Now. <laughs> a record in the past, you know, the, the likelihood of us getting walked all over. And uh, yeah, loyalty points FC, that's all I'm going to call it. Loyalty points FC. I was going to say, I'd be interested to see how many people are actually there. Just saying. I think there's, st- I think there's still actually tickets available, from what I understand. I don't think there is, is there? It was sold out. Yeah, I think people have returned them. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah I'd, I wouldn't imagine there's more than one and a half thousand actually turn up, to be honest. But then, actually, no. Then again, you've got London Wolves. So it's, it's like a home game for them, so they, they'll they take quite a few. Brighton is not London. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of getting there, it's close to Wolverhampton, though. Yeah. Stu's travelled the, the length and breadth of the country following Wolves, and he's confused... It's because you're not driving, isn't it? It's because you're just sat on the coach. You're not bothered about which direction you're travelling in. <laughs> it's because it's because it's because it's because it's sat on the coach, slowly, like uh, frame by frame in videos on the way. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no concept of where the coach is going. Yeah. Well, there's 41 tickets left, so there's still time to get a ticket. 
If anyone does, is looking for spares. Fill yeah. your there's, still there's, there's, there's still a chance, folks, if you listen to this tomorrow morning, <laughs> Tuesday morning, don't pass up the opportunity to go to a game that might be called off due to COVID. There's still a chance. <laughs> they still do it. Pull us, pull 41 us official word. tickets and about 2,000 unofficial tickets on sale on the day. You know, you know what you should do? You should tell work that you might have COVID, you're getting some symptoms, so you're waiting on a test. Then get your COVID pass out and, and get all your stuff <laughs> ready for that. And then you've got a free 24 hours at least, where I'm sure you're waiting on your PCR result. Nothing can happen. You're feeling a bit unwell for work. So you can't go into work. And then you, you might actually get to the game. Or, I'm sure there's a plan you'd, there. Or you'd rather just sit at home working, I think, rather than faff around driving all that way for the game to be one either called off or two will just lose anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm more referring to those people that can't actually work from home. I know there's a, a jealous part of the country that, um, unlike us, Kim, I think, uh, have to go into their place of work. Yeah. <laughs> front so, line, yeah. Front line, yeah. Are you, are you, are you, are you key staff, Stu? Key staff? Of course. I'm, um, <laughs> I'll be there. For, I'm at work Thursday morning. Half <laughs> six. So... No, uh, she never little... takes a day off. This, this, the weather's been shared for us. A tumble if you call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, to be fair, when, when it was my birthday last week, I did have a bottle of Sing Tao to work. But unopened, so I was walking out of it with Sing Tao under my arm at like nine in the morning. <laughs> 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 oh. So, what's our predictions then for Brighton? I mean, and, and not, I'm, not, I'm not predicting whether the game will go ahead or not. I'm predicting if it does go ahead, will there be, what's the score will be? I just can't see a scoring. I, I, no, I can. There's no no role. That's the spirit there, still. So. I'm, I'm... <laughs> no role. Fabio's not going to play is he? because he's doomed. Do you know what? Fabio should get a chance, and not because I particularly, play. not because I rate Fabio, but you know what happens every time we play three attacking midfielders, and we have like Daniel Pedence up top, and then we like kick it long to him, and you just think, why? What is Absolutely. the point? So on that basis. Agree. We ain't scoring. Brighton have got a good defensive record, so it's going to be nil-nil. Okay. Fabio got Lewis Dunk sent off last season as well, if lest we forget. So he's he's got form against Brighton, not a goal. He would have scored. He was one-on-one with the keeper. He definitely would have scored. Um, but I, 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 just, I just have a problem with us not playing with a central striker when we don't have Raul available. I, think, I, I don't agree with it. it we're, we're built to... To require a striker, you can't play with the three attacking midfielders. It, it don't work. So hopefully he goes with Fabio, and we're going to win but one 0 with a silver goal. He won't know because he didn't even bring him on on Saturday, did he? He tended just to bring on the attacking. Let let Fabio Silva take out his bad attitude on the Brighton defence. Then do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd expect three five two with with Trail Ray and Huang. That's what, that's uh, that's what a terrible nightmare that is in my head at the minute. And if that happens, it's a two 0 defeat. So going there with all the joys of Christmas. You're going to put a bet against us, aren't you, Stu? Okay, yeah, but nah, not for that. Mm. No, because Brighton are equally as bad at scoring. Yeah. So that's why bet nil nil. That's what'll happen. Nil nil. Huang up front, lone striker, and come in. Tell me that name. Lone striker Huang up front. 
So on that positive note, ladies and gentlemen, I think we might just have a quick bit of Twitter corner to sign off on. Um, oh, there you go. Up on the phone, we've got a, a question there from uh, Brian Donnelly. We've got two questions, Greedy. One, he says that the Sword of Brighton game got a chance of being delayed because of COVID. Do you want to play them? I think we've already pretty much established uh, yes, but it will be terrible. And uh, also, question two, which Wolves Christmas sweater do you want? I haven't really seen the stock of Wolves Christmas sweaters, have you guys? I'm sure Stu has. Um, yeah, that, that, that question was Come pretty on. much only one person. The 80s, it's a sweatshirt though, it's not a jump, not a rich jumper, so it's like the one with the, the, just the morph head in gold. It looks very What's the difference so. between a sweatshirt and a jumper? Material? Oh, there's a big difference, to be fair, isn't there? Jumpers are the proper woolly thing. Yeah, this is, yeah, like, yeah. this is like a jumper, this PlayStation Christmas jumper. But okay. Like, if you look at you, you look at Rich, jumper, cardigan. Yeah. And then you look at everyone else, hoodies, sweatshirt. Every every human being. Right. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Kind of how these things work. Uh, right. So another question from uh, Rob Cartwright. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's been sent what appears to be a shitty Albion shirt which you can see on screen. But his related question is, what's the most offensive surprise present you've ever received? For me, I'll, 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 I'll just go on first this one. What, what's not necessarily offensive, it's confusing. A couple of years ago, I worked Secret Santa, and um, I was gifted on the, the Secret Santa this kind of furry octopus that was from our Chinese graduate, right? And obviously I didn't hide my confusion stroke disgusted very well uh, because she knew I wasn't happy with it. However, uh, it wasn't until a few months later that I was told that actually what she was giving me in Chinese culture was a gift of uh, good luck and prosperity. So she took, oh, massive, that was nice. she, she took massive offence at me, like thinking it was a piece of shit <laughs> and I just took, took it to the side and even my kids didn't want it. And... Um, yeah, apparently it was a really nice gift from her. So it was, was not offensive, but it kind of was at the time for me, I thought. Because everyone else was getting gifts that meant something to them and, and like actual proper gifts. And I got a little furry octopus. So I was a bit put out and obviously I didn't hide it well. But there we go. That was mine. Hey, what's your what's your guy's most offensive surprise present you've ever received? Stu, look like you want to go first. <laughs> no, I've, I've never received one, but I've, gone, I've given one once that is kind of, it was accidentally offensive. But it was, it, I, I, I can't remember what the actual present was. I think it was it was probably a box set or something. But I thought it would be funny to wrap it in bacon. And so I got this. So I wrapped it I got this <laughs> The only thing that should be wrapped in bacon is a sausage. Yeah, but I, again, it's, this is a while ago. And so I wrapped, it up, I wrapped it up in bacon and then wrapped that up in normal wrapping paper. And took it around Dean's house, and he, he gave it to his mum to put the rest of the presents. But she, obviously, they didn't know what it was, and it was all squishy. And, but he put it by the fire. Oh, God. Came down, and there was this awful smell. And he said, What is it? And then he opened it, and it was all bacon nonsense all over the floor on Christmas Day. Oh, my God. So, yeah, uh... Bacon smells quite good when it's getting cooked, isn't it? I thought. Not wrapped around cardboard and it. What's the thought process? What made you think, right? I'm just going to wrap this in bacon. Like, I don't get why you would even think to do that. 
It was a, it was a kind of there was a few years where I wrapped wherever his present was in something stupid. Like there was one the one year I I wrapped it up and <laughs> I'd cut out loads of pictures of Giles Brandreth's head, but I don't know why. <laughs> Please don't ask him about the thinking behind that because we're not going to end up finishing this podcast if we go down this rabbit hole. I prefer the bacon. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I agree. I agree. Glenny, what's your most offensive surprise present? I mean, I've I've got a scot free mostly, but there was one secret Santa that. it got me thinking quite deeply, um, but someone bought me basically like three tubs of hair gel and it got me really self-conscious that someone thought <laughs> that I really like took way too much um, care of my appearance and, and like too much product in my hair. Gel, or was, it like, was it like 50p barbershop special or the bubbles in? Nah, it was all right to be fair. And I've, I've, it, must have, it must have been bought two years ago. I, don't, I haven't even got through it yet. Um, like so it's it's good quality stuff um but yeah it just got me very self-conscious um and yeah maybe it was a compliment that to say that you take pride in your appearance as it or as opposed to your vein i mean yeah clearly I'm, i've taken the negative approach to that um <laughs> to that one uh I, i'm just yeah. grateful to have a full head of hair right now so <laughs> So mine, mine, (laughs) mine isn't an an offensive present. However, on my birthday a couple of months back, um, the concierge downstairs in the apartment that we live in like rang the the buzzer and said, "Oh, you've got a you've got someone downstairs with the delivery." And I was like, "Okay." So ran downstairs, and it was a lovely bunch of flowers. So I was like, "Oh." That's really nice. And then I got upstairs, looked at the tag, who it was from, and it was from like one of my friends who was down the road. And lovely like message, but apart from the fact that she, they'd put to Kim Grealish, and he's a Villa fan, <laughs> and that re- he knew that that would just m- make me my eyes roll out of the back of my <sighs> head. So yeah, I was quite offended in the end, but they were a nice bunch of flowers. So. God, who'd want to be Mrs. Is Grealish? A- is he saying that you need to get the hair gel and do it like Greenish as well? Oh, yeah. I don't know what he's trying to say. Slick it back. <laughs> slick it back. God knows what he's trying to say. Right, next question is from King Wolf 84. Uh, following the incident in the Chelsea Champions League game, which Wolves play would do a Sam Kerr to a pitch invader. If you haven't seen this, uh, this was in a Chelsea Women's Champions League game. I think they were playing Juventus. Um, I think a bloke just casually strolls on the pitch, doesn't he? Film, filming away, which apparently is a loophole in the law. You can get away with walking onto a women's game because it's not a quote-unquote designated game, like a, a Premier League game, say, or you know, championship game. Um, so he was taking, a, you know, taking an opportunity there, shall we say, and uh, Sam Kerr sort of... Uh, took the baton and decided just to shoulder barge him to the floor and then Judy got booked for it. <laughs> it's got to be safe. But who, what, player, what player would you love to do that to? Shoulder barge? I, yeah. I'd like to see how far Adama could send someone flying, yeah. but I don't think he's actually got it in him to do that to like a, a civilian. I think that, well, they talked about it, a shoulder barging contest on the, on the commentary and 
on the Saturday, didn't they? But he, he, uh, from the middle of the pitch, I reckon he could send him 20 yards. Do you reckon if I did that, how far do you reckon I'd bounce off a drama drama <laughs> Actually, if you actually went, to, oh god, <laughs> yeah, potentially, I'd probably potentially. like literally bounce back into the stand. Yeah, okay. it'd be like it'd be like that uh, TikTok video that you saw online where someone doctors it, so you hit it and then your character just goes off the screen, completely, <laughs> completely the opposite yeah. direction. <laughs> And we should have put that as a question. How far, how high can Kim bounce off the trial? I feel that's something that we need to get in touch with balls with and sort out, to be honest. Yeah. There's definitely like a YouTube video in it, isn't there? Like a, they do some silly stuff anyway, like Taskmaster. Yeah, it'll be Saw, Size Kilman, Cody probably, Ruddy as chairman of the board. So, but then you'll get Troy Ryan as well. So get in touch with Josh. Get, get it happen. I do reckon Pedence has the potential. He's an angry little man, isn't he? Sometimes Pedence, <laughs> he'd try but fail miserably. Like, but he, he definitely like be like Scrappy Doo, wouldn't he? Or just hold the boy's hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Steve, who would you want to most want to shell the barge? And who I'd want to shell the barge? I mean, there's a... in the <laughs> football the world, born the team from the last four years. <laughs> I do. Eddie Howe, then. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Howe. Hmm. Oh, it's such a, it's so glorious seeing him fail. It's, it's, yeah. it's they um, now they've started they've turned him into a character on Atletico Minster as well, where he's plays Charles for some reason. It's, it's just glorious. <laughs> right. Um, have we got any more Twitter corner questions? I think we might have one more. Oh, there we go. Dover Wolves. Oh, it's a. Uh, it's a serious one. Discuss uh, Matinho's lack of goals and assists over the last two years. I'm not about to start slay slay Indiao Matinho. I'll pass on this one. He's never really been that kind of player in his whole career, has he? So no, he hasn't. He had one season at Porto where he got a lot, but again, it's probably set pieces and against bad defenses. Yeah, it's. Whenever you used to watch him in the Champions League, he was never like one where he'd score ever. <laughs> he, he was just always there, just being a, a pest and, and making a pest of himself. And yeah, I think this, this is cruel. It's, there's no need for this. He's, the, the, the goals he has scored have been superb, which kind of think, well, yeah. he's got it in his locker. But it's more a case of, yeah, that locker's kind of permanently open and he's constantly. Hitting the balls to try and get there, like Neves has turned into. I was going to say, one pro is that I feel like these days, Martinho is more likely to hit a shot from long range and it go in than Neves. But then again, that's not saying that those shots are great for Martinho. I'm just saying Neves is shooting like awful. There's there's a pro. He's just a metronome, isn't he, in the middle of the pitch. We don't measure him on goals yeah. and assists with Martinho. We, we measure him on quality of glasses of wine drunk. And his good looks. Also acceptable. That's, He's pretty so, dishy, to be fair. We have, um, there you go. That's We have got the most pertinent question in the entire show, though, that has to be discussed in depth. Gone far away. Yes, I thought, I thought, it, I thought it might be this one. At CNRAD. I assume this is Conrad, the name of who's put this in. Um, how many house cats are ideal? Uh, I'm gonna have to defer this question because I'm, I've, I mean, probably zero is my answer. But who wants to who wants to take the take the baton with this one? 
I mean, there's a house that I go past on a school run every day that has got four house cats, and it's a flat. It's not even a house. Mm. So, and the windows are always shut for obvious reasons. So, you can only imagine what it smells like in there. And that's that's my so only kind of yeah. Just imagine question. the just imagine the potential fleas problem as well. God. As long as, long as they're, they're well kept, they don't get fleas, and especially if they're house cats, it's very rare that that's going to happen to them. But I, I, again. You're going to be changing the litter tray like twice or two or three times a day at least. <laughs> well, you, you know more than we do, Steve. You've got cats, haven't you? Yeah, I've got four, but they're not house cats. Though. They're, I mean, one's fellow and lives in the garden. <laughs> there's, only, there's only really two of them that stay in more than they go out. But again, the, there's no... Do they, have mo- they, do they have morals of an alley cat? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one... Well, gives me... <laughs> He's, he, he comes up battered. He's the only one who's, who goes to the vet all the time because he comes up and his face is all mashed up all the time. And he's... That's, yeah. He did get I've been... Fighting. I've been to relatives and like they've had a cat and you pretty much don't notice that they're there. Like It's it's weird. Like I, I don't know why you'd want a pet that is so low maintenance. No, but the, but some some of them are ready to like pounce. Like I don't like the fact that they're like still and then suddenly my friend's got a cat. It's called Jensen. Mm. He'll literally just like jump and it just like like makes you jump out of your skin. I just don't like cats. I'm more about yeah, dogs. they're always always on always on edge and they're devious. Mm. Yeah, they're a bit evil, aren't they? I feel. Well, they've grown yeah. agenda. Yes, yeah, basically, like the plot, yeah. The, the plotting. They're just plotting. Yeah. One day, Stu, you're going to be forced out the house by your own cats. <laughs> You've got too many. You need to you need there's to been, whittle them down a little bit. Well, it, there's going to be a cat uprising in your race, Stu. And the, the, the feral one. The, the feral one's going to have you. He's, he's been fighting every night. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> he knows a thing or two. So I think we've come to the conclusion then that the the ideal number of house cats is zero. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> I'd still say what house cats is one, two absolute maximums for the for the. Uh, yeah, you're sitting there with four. But it doesn't. What's the? Di- there's no difference though. They're still weird creatures. Like they're still not friendly. <laughs> House or <laughs> <laughs> As are human beings, I guess. <laughs> true, true. When they, when they wash themselves and they, they go out and then they roll around in the dirt and everything, then they don't smell as much, which is kind of like the opposite of what you think. But when the, if they're always contained in the house, again, it's I've been in I've been in houses where you know it's a cat house and it's like you can smell it from the front door, outside the front door. It's not fun. <laughs> God, that bad. I won't, I won't go in. Yeah, it was. Jesus. I ain't, ain't going to name it. <laughs> name names on that. <laughs> Even though I'm not that cruel. But yeah, it's... <laughs> you know, you thought the ones where you think, oh, the, uh, the amount of people, like hoarders, who, you, you know, have got like, dead cats under newspapers and stuff, <laughs> and they never get rid of them. Oh. What, dead cats under a, copy of the, under a copy of The Sun from 1992 or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Michael Hazel on the front cover. That's not. That's not just leaving it. That, that's that's called a burial. That's not just leaving them under a pile of newspapers. <laughs> or, or written on the newspaper is the name of the cat, the the date that they died. Don't you know that? Well, if they was on page three, it's a happy cat. It went the way it wanted to. 
Absolutely. Right, on that note, listeners, if you're still listening at this point, uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, as of always, you can follow us on all the social media channels on Twitter, on Instagram and YouTube. Please go and subscribe and like. We would really appreciate it. Uh, so what's left is to say bye from Stu. Bye. And if anyone wants to come and talk to us at Brighton and make us happy, <laughs> me, Gully and Matt are all there for your pleasure. So, Ta-ra. There you go. You can't refuse that offer. It's goodbye from Kim. Bye. I will be in the pub watching the game. Win the warm. Are you not going to send an offer to come and talk to you either in the pub? No, I was going to say, can we meet you in the pub, Kim? Can anybody come and meet you in the pub? If you make a four-hour trip was it back here. Yeah. I haven't decided which, yet. Which pub was it again? Oh, wait, oh, I won't be okay. revealing that online. <laughs> Are you sure? Undisclosed, yes, lo- undisclosed location. And it's You'll also a goodbye, from, a goodbye from Gully as well. Yeah, it looks like I'm just keeping Matt and Steve company at Brighton, to be honest. Uh, that's the, the postponed fixture. I'm, I'm Brighton Seafront like, after the postponement of the fixture. So um, let's see how it goes. See you guys. And it's also goodbye from me. I'm watching it at home and now you're not invited. So stay safe and <laughs> see you all next time. <laughs>